Are you one of the thousands of people who have added to their family through adoption? How do you sort out all of the resources, unravel the myths, and get started? Welcome to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. On our show, we introduce you to the families, the adoptees, and the experts who can answer any questions you may have to make this the wonderful experience that it truly is. Now, here is your host, Micah Johnson. Hey, everyone. It's Micah. Thanks so much for joining me on this beautiful Friday morning. At least it's pretty beautiful here in Nashville. It's been super hot here, so we are experiencing like 80 degrees. No humidity for all of us who are in Nashville. That is unheard of, especially in August. So it's a beautiful Friday here, and I hope it's a beautiful Friday where y'all are. Um, we have an awesome show today and we have a lot to cover. So I want to jump in. I don't want to take time like I always do and talk about a lot of stuff in the beginning because this is a power packed episode, but I do have to say two thank yous today. So I got my numbers back from my executive producer. I was a little nervous to tell the truth. I mean, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a radio show host by design and some kind of flying by the seat of my pants with this thing. But she said that my numbers were pretty good. And that is awesome. And so it has, it has everything to do with y'all listening and sharing and do, coming back and doing it again every Friday. So thank you so much. I'm glad that or I hope from the numbers that folks are finding it helpful because that's the point. That's why we're here. So thank you so much for listening and sharing and please continue. And if you have any suggestions or show topics, or you'd like to be a guest on the show, feel free to um, send me an email. It's hello at adoptionunscripted.com, And you can uh, catch me on Twitter and on Facebook. And I would love to talk about any suggestions that you may have. My second thank you goes out to three people who have become good friends of mine in a very short period of time. I want to say a big thank you and a good morning to Nate, to Phyllis, and to Donna. You know who y'all are. Thank you so much. I am missing you guys today. I will see you very soon, and thanks for supporting me in this crazy endeavor. Thank you so much. I love y'all. Okay, so... Today's show is about um, trauma, and specifically trauma um, and how it presents itself in our adopted children. There, there's a lot of mysteries about trauma. Um, myself, I was surprised because if you had said to me, you know, Micah, when I adopted my child as an infant and I was told that at three years old or four years old, when there started some behavior started to come out, that it was because he was experiencing trauma. I wouldn't. I would have been surprised to say the least, because I didn't think that children who were adopted so young could experience trauma, and I was absolutely wrong about that. Even children who are adopted as infants can experience trauma, and when you're adopting an older child and they've lived a life um, before coming to you. There can be some trauma there as well. Typically, there is some trauma there as well. So today, we're going to talk about trauma, and I have an awesome, awesome guest joining me. Her name is Abigail. I found out about her. I was first introduced to her from another podcast that I was listening to. There's no surprise there. Everyone knows that I'm a big, big podcast junkie, and I listen to so many podcasts, and there's some great ones out there. 
And um, I heard her story. She was on a panel of, I think, maybe four other moms. And there was just something about her story. She has an awesome voice, which you will hear. And it was just soothing. And I just connected with her. My friend Shannon, who was on my first two shows, said that sometimes you can share a spirit animal with someone else. And um, maybe Gabrielle and I share <laughs> share a spirit animal. And she's laughing at me right now. Abigail, stop laughing at me. I, I hear you laughing. Because um, we, I think we share a spirit animal. Anyway, um, so she got on there and she was talking about her family. And I just thought, I'm going to stalk her a little bit. And I am going to find her. I don't know if y'all can hear her cracking up in the background. I have asked her to stop laughing. (laughs) Stop laughing. I stalked her. I really did. And um, she has agreed to come on the show. And when we first talked about this, I was sitting in my car because my dogs were barking really loud. And it was just awesome. I could not be that person. I was trying to be very professional. And she and her husband were driving somewhere. And a big, huge thunderstorm kind of broke out, and I was on the phone, and I thought, could this be any less professional? I'm in my car. It is thunderstorming. I can't go inside because my dogs are barking. I really want to make a good impression because I want this woman to be on my show. And surprisingly, she said yes anyway. So, Abigail, are you with me on the show? I am with you. Spirit animal and all. (laughs) Spirit animal and all. I am so excited to be here. You guys, I, um, I'm i Abigail. I am the mom to two siblings adopted through foster care. I blog about it on a blog called Herding Chickens and Other Adventures in Foster and Adoptive Care. Um, and I have some very interesting stories. I became a trauma mama kind of by surprise because, like Micah said, I didn't realize um, exactly what therapeutic parenting would look like or parenting older children who'd been through trauma. So I blog about this, and Micah gave me this phone call, and we just had a great time. And I don't know what that spirit animal is, but I have to think about it because <laughs> it's got to be a good one. <laughs> me too. Dad, <laughs> Shannon. Um, can I tell a brief little story as to sort of how I knew that I was parenting trauma and when things kind of changed for me? I would love a story. Okay, so I think a lot of people get into this and don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We hear, like, trauma affects your child. Your child's going to be affected by the the experiences they had when they were younger. Um, And so we got our children, Carl and Mary. Um, Carl's 11 now and Mary is 10, but we got them when they were 7 and 8 years old, respectively. Um, And when we first brought our kids home, it was like having new infants. Mary never slept. She woke up every 45 minutes screaming, um, and she had terrible nightmares, and she was afraid to be away from me, and every time there was dinner or a meal on the table, Carl had what he called food drama, um, and he'd throw his dinner and then try to grab all the food and stuff it into his pockets and hide it in his room. So we were living kind of an interesting lifestyle, wherein I never got to eat because food, my dinner was always, always ended up in my hair, and it's really mm-hmm. hard to eat dinner when it's in your hair. <laughs> Almost impossible. (laughs) I'm really hungry. I need caffeine because I'm never sleeping. And I lost a a lot of weight. I was really, really skinny and hungry. I was so hungry, Micah. (laughs) So one morning, I just, when I was making pancakes and everything ended up everywhere, I was like, that's it. I think we're going to go to Dunkin' Donuts, you guys. And if you're in New England, you know what Dunkin' Donuts is. It is Mm, the Mac. We have them here. And they're my enemy (laughs) and my friend at the same time. 
That's what it is. So I brought the kids. And I'm going to get a donut and things that you and I might not even think about, right? Like we have not had certain experiences. And I do, I blog about the tough stuff on my blog, which is why I use the pseudonym Abigail and and different names for my kids because I do tell a lot so that parents will know. But I got in and I'm looking at the donut selection and I want a powdered jelly donut. That is my love, my obsession. That's what I want. And my son, Carl, is horrified and he yells, don't do it. Don't get the cocaine donut, Mom. You're going to get crazy on cocaine. And everyone looked at me, and I'm looking at myself, and I'm realizing, like this, I'm just this really skinny, bedraggled, tired mom who never gets to take a shower, and I look like a cocaine donut mom. And I just said, all right, I'll get a different donut, whatever. And we all sat down, and I just accepted that sometimes when I go into public, people are going to stare at me. Sometimes I'm not going to get to go to sleep at night. And this is just sort of the way it's got to be for right now. And the beginning was like that, and and things got better, and I'll tell you how. But um, that's sort of when I became the cocaine donut mom. I got a new favorite donut. I sat down. I ate with my children. I didn't care who was looking at me. (laughs) And you were hungry. I was so hungry. That was the first breakfast I got to enjoy. So yay me. (laughs) I got a donut. Now here we are. you know, years later, three and a half years later, and I, I get to eat actually any kind of donut or dinner that I want. So that's good. good for you. better. <laughs> so um, I had a question, and I was going to save it to the end because I wanted to get my other folks' questions out. And we're going to try to take some questions down the road a little bit. But I am on your blog all the time. And because mm-hmm. I, like I said, I do a little stalking, okay? <laughs> And um, I'm on your blog all the time, and you do get really real. I mean, very authentic. You don't hold back. You tell it like it is. Sometimes, Abigail, um, you even speak about yourself in your not-so-great moments. You know what I mean? As a mom. Now, we all have the not-so-great moments. There's so many. Parents out there, give yourselves some grace. You're going to mess up. Sometimes you're going to be the cocaine donut parent. It's cool. I mean, exactly. (laughs) I mean, you know, and my favorite is the chocolate-covered vanilla cream filled, just in case we're about Dunkin' Donuts together. That's what I want. But anyway, I digress. I digress. Okay. Um, but, and, and I just wondered, you know, what that was like for you because you, um, you know, you tell stories and, and you share and you say, I'm not, you know, I'm not having a good day. I am feeling kind of grumpy. I'm feeling kind of, dare I say, bitchy a little bit. And mm-hmm. I want to I say that. That's what folks need because we have this um, this this belief that, you know, you go, you adopt your child, you grab hands, you walk off into the sunset, a beautiful, beautiful music comes and it's happily ever after and you're a little family. And that might not be exactly how it starts. And it might not look like that for years. And there's some disappointment that, that can fall in. And parents, we feel ashamed to admit that it's not the way we thought it was going to be. It's harder than we thought it was going to be. And dare I say, I don't like my child every day. I'm going to say this to you. Uh, Sometimes my child, like their kids every day. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? I don't, you know, I, you know, she's not listening because she's at school right now. And I love (laughs) Grace Johnson. But sometimes I'm like, oh, girl, please, you know, just give me five. Just can you give me five? You know, so I... I can admit that to myself, and I can admit that to you if we're on the phone talking about our hard day. 
but mm-hmm. you're admitting it to God and everybody else because your blog is extremely popular. I have. Well, um, I mean, it I, is. It's it's really popular, yeah. and and you say that, and I think that is fantastic and so brave, so very brave. It, um, it is and it isn't. I think um, sometimes on my blog, I try not to tell too much of the children's story, too many specific right. things. Obviously, from the cocaine donut story, you know that our kids have had some kind of experience with cocaine. Right. But the truth is, I feel that a lot of people getting into older child adoption um, don't always realize what it's going to look like. It's, it's different than what we thought it was. It's not worse. It's not better. It's different. It's different. Happily right. ever after is different. You know, so right. I I do tell the truth, the whole truth, as horrible as it is, as as best that I can. Obviously, it's from my perspective, but I find that you know there aren't a ton of resources that really tell what trauma looks like, what happens, and that you're not alone. And I don't want other moms to say, "Am I the only one whose child screams right. all night?" Am I the only one that ends up with spaghetti in her hair like every single night? Because no one wants to be the only. No one wants to think. Because when you're the only, you keep it to yourself and it becomes a secret. And that's not how we get help. That's not how we get help at all. It feels like you're doing something terribly wrong. Yeah. Right. I mean, and and we need to share and support. We need to share and support. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, um, we're going to, you're going to help us kind of determine what trauma looks like. And you're going to help us with some responses, how we need to respond to that for for our sake and for the sake of our kids. So you guys hold on. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about donuts a little bit more and we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, guys, we are back. We're talking with Abigail. Um, She is a trauma mama. Um, That's how she describes herself. And we're going to talk right now about 
the ways that trauma can manifest itself in behaviors and how parents can respond so that the child's being taken care of, they're de-escalating the situation, and um, I guess trying to make it better. Was that is that what you would say that, that you do when you're responding to trauma, Abigail? Yeah, I, I think um, we're trying to make kids feel safe and make them feel protected and disarm that fear response that so many of our kids have. Yeah. So tell me, um, give me a, a scenario of a response, I mean, of, of, a tra- of trauma, and okay. then give me, and then tell me how you would respond to make them feel safe and protected. Because I think that we can use your real life situations and help folks kind of get some strategies and solutions of their own. Because I'm sure that if they haven't had the same situation, they've had something that's quite similar and they can use your stories to kind of help themselves. Right. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to start by just saying that a lot of um, behaviors that we see from kids where we think they might be they're being willful or they seem very angry or shut down, it's really a lot of fear, a lot of fear-based behavior. And, and they've, whatever they have experienced or been through in their lives, and you may never know the story, it presents itself as fear. So I'm going to tell you the story about how stinky I was when we first brought the kids home. Because my children have uh, very specific trauma triggers. That's something that triggers the fear response around the bathroom. And I do blog about this a lot. Um, I wrote a post called mm-hmm. Tales from Our Bathroom. And, you know, they I just, remember. Yeah. <laughs> so um, our kids are really afraid of that. And they were afraid when they first came home of me specifically going into my, into my bathroom, like that I would never come back out. Now, my husband was immune. He was fine. He could go to the bathroom as much as he wanted, Megan. Nobody cared. Mm-hmm. But when mom went in, our daughter's tantrums were so big. She would, like, bang down the door. The house would start shaking. My husband would oh, have to goodness. hold her and talk to her soothingly. And we had no idea what was going on. Right. I just figured she really wanted a smelly mom. So I called the social worker. <laughs> I said, look, it's in everybody's best interest if I take a shower. What do I do? Right. But guess what? A lot of times social workers don't exactly know and haven't experienced this, and they might think you're doing something wrong. I mean, kids coming into your house are already traumatized because they've just made a big move. So um, it took a little while to realize they were afraid. So this is what I started doing. The kids had to know where I was going and what I was doing all the time because their experience with moms were moms leave. So I started to sing in the shower or count when I was on the toilet so they could hear that I was still there, even mm-hmm. though they couldn't see me. And there, right. there's not a window in our bathroom. There's no escape hatch. <laughs> but they thought I wouldn't come back out. So I would sing or make noise or talk so they would know, you know, that I was in there. Right. Um, and I would narrate things I was doing around the house, too, because sometimes, you know, they, they would think if I went down to the basement, I wasn't coming up. So I'd sing a silly or, song about washing daddy's underwear, you know. Right. Um, like if you like if they couldn't see you, you might disappear or something like that. Right. They just got him on. They couldn't lose her. I couldn't disappear. Right. So that's when I started to sing on the toilet. And um, that was interesting <laughs> for everyone and fun. You know, um, we do what we need to do, right? We do what we need to we do. We do what we and need I, to do, right. I didn't know why, and sometimes you never know why, but there was one day, and this is how I kind of found out what was going on about moms being in the bathroom anyway. There was one day that I was very sick. I'm a, an elementary school teacher, and so, of course, we get the stomach bug every single year, and I had it really bad. And my husband was trying to watch you know, TV with the kids, watch a movie, distract them, because I was sick upstairs, and when they can't see mom, it's really upsetting. 
And they were just hysterical, both of them, which is really too much for one person to handle. So my daughter's on the floor kicking and screaming, and she's seven, but she looks like she's two when this happens. My son is banging on the door. You know, he's eight years old, and he's screaming, Mom, I have to smell you. I have to smell you. And I was like, I thought we were past the mom stink phase. (laughs) But um, I opened the door thinking, like, okay, like, you want to smell the vomit? Have at it, kid. And he hugs me, and he inhales really deeply, and he says, oh, it's okay, guys. She's not drunk. It's probably just the Ebola. And he runs downstairs, and I guess mom having Ebola is totally fine. And everybody went on with their life, you know. And I was, and I I thought about that so much, like, oh, they must think I am drunk and going to the bathroom, the beach. You know, that's probably very scary for them. And we were able to talk about that. And then from that conversation, they were able to tell me why being in the bathroom was scary for them. Um, and your kids may never tell you, they may not remember, but that trauma specific, you know, the bathroom is a scary place. The bathroom is not safe. Makes them afraid. So many parents don't have, because I mean, you didn't get any of this, did you get, well, I guess it's a question. Did you get any of this information about how they were living or their, their home situation, their family life before? Because you wouldn't have known these things. And so you kind of have to do a, like it's a scavenger hunt to kind of kind of figure out what's going on because they're not going to, children aren't able to always just, nor do they want to, just divulge these types of things. So did you have any information about what some of their trauma they may have experienced before you adopted them? Um, I mean, I'll just say this. I, I need to make a blanket statement. Like, you won't know. Even if the social worker says, yes, you know, we've done this forensic investigation about um, – what their trauma was and what they experienced in the home, you'll know why they were separated from their birth family. If you're adopting through foster care, I'm not sure about international adoption, what's disclosed. No matter what's disclosed to you, once your children come home to the place where they need to love somebody and trust that person not to be drunk or eat the cocaine donut, they're going to experience trauma all over again. If they have developmental trauma, that, that means... If their trauma is based around a primary attachment figure, someone that was supposed to love and care for them and who maybe did but also made some big mistakes or did some scary things. So just being with mom and dad is re-traumatizing. And they, once they trust you, things may start to come out or their fear response may be triggered. I mean, I know there's a lot of emphasis on these disclosure meetings, and all I can tell you is you're never going to know what it's going to be like. And when you give birth, you don't exactly know no, um, you don't. or not your child's going to develop leukemia or something someday. You no, you, don't, you have no idea. Right. No ten fingers, ten toes, and they send you off. You know, you and have no it. idea. No. And so, training, even for therapeutic foster care or therapeutic placement homes, I think that there's a lot of new research out about trauma. And if anybody's interested, um, Dr. Basil Vanderkolk is the guru, the expert. He wrote this book called The Body Keeps the Score. And a lot of social workers don't have that kind of background. So they'll tell you, these kids have experienced trauma. They may get upset and have behaviors. That's all they tell you. They can't tell you really what to do. It took a lot of my husband and I doing our own research and trial and error um, to kind of figure out our kids are really scared. This isn't right. about disciplining them and about them being misbehaving because they're bad and they don't like us. This is about their fear. And the word discipline means to teach. And we needed to teach them a better way, which means practicing better behaviors and getting rid of some of those maladaptive coping skills, like trying to break down the door when your mom is 
in your opinion, drunk and, and throwing up. So um, it, it takes a while, and it, you can train them, like, not to get out of bed in the middle of the night because right. that's not good and you want them. But they may end up just lying in their bed shaking in fear all the time. So, yes, you can, you can get rid of a behavior through behavior modification, but what you really need to do is get to the root of the fear and the anxiety and help your child to feel safe. That's important. So, um, how do you, um, how do you, do you have conversations with them? I know you said that you just have to kind of take a wait and see, but how do you know what to do? I mean, if, if I, I'm just kind of thinking, you know, I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I don't think that I, <laughs> I'm a reasonably intelligent person, but I don't know that I would know what to do if my child was banging down the door and, if, and I'm in the bathroom, and I think that my first response would be, you know, what the hell? I mean, you know, yeah, can well, I have to go to the bathroom? You, you know, <laughs> how do you know what, how, how did you, I mean, because you're, well, you're an educator, and those of us who work with children, we know different behaviors, and we know how to speak to children, how to communicate with children, and, and things like that. We know how to redirect children. But Maybe. this is not just simple redirection. This is a little bit more than that. So how did you no. learn to do these things? Well, first of all, I thought I was going to be so amazing, like the Mac Daddy of all parents. I right. thought I had a background teacher. in psychology, education, special education. Right. I was like, I know what I am doing. This will be great. I did not know a thing about what I was doing, and, and I then, learned so quickly. Right. Then, so I da, did da, da. start leaning into some resources, like reading um, The Connected Child, The Body Keeps the Score, or anything by Deborah D. Gray, and I started to realize, trying to see it from their perspective, that there's something behind what they're doing. They're doing this for a reason. Their behavior is telling me something. I don't exactly right. know what it is, and it took a while for me to see their behavior is showing me they're scared. This is scary. Loving a mom is terrifying to them because they did that once before. And right, and, and she wasn't work around. Out so well mm-hmm. for them, it didn't work you know, out. And, right. um, and that's not a knock on their birth mom. This is just the truth about their experience. So, um, you know, one of the things that uh, oh, some experts say to disarm their fear is just to really provide a lot of structure and let them know what's happening. So. Um, we let them know what was happening every day. We had a big schedule. We kept it the same all the time, made our world a lot smaller, and did a lot of talking about what moms and dads do, what they're there for, um, so that our kids would know that we're safe people. We don't hit mm-hmm. no hurt as a rule in our home. And we let them know what was for dinner every night, and we let them participate in some meal planning so they knew that there would be food. Mm-hmm. Um and then we just really look for specific things. So I, I'll tell you about my daughter's fear in the bathroom. She, Can you? I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt this uh, story. And we're going to come to a break. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to mention another story that I read on your blog as well. But when we come back, and you share that story about the bathroom, did, did you write about that on your blog? Did I write about the story the about the bathroom? Oh yeah. I, yes. Yeah, because I, I think I read, I think I read that. One, this is a great one story, y'all. time I had a bola, and I think the other one was called Tales from right. Our Bathroom. Yeah, yes, that was about I think I read the bathroom tales, yeah. Abigail's <laughs> bathroom tales. Um, but I want to talk about if you're ever afraid, because they have fear, but I'm thinking that you might have, you and your husband might have a little fear, too. I know yeah. I would. I, I would be afraid. So when we get back, yeah. um, I want to hear the bathroom story, and then I want to talk about your fears and how okay. you handle those. 
So yeah. you guys uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. You'll listen to Adoption Unscripted. And check us out in just a minute. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, guys, we are back. You're listening to Adoption Unscripted Radio. I'm Micah. I'm talking with Abigail. Um, so, Abigail, we were going to... You were going to share with us another bathroom story. You have a couple of these. And um, there's a trend there, okay? And then we're going to talk about the fear. And if you have it, I want to put words in your mouth. So if you experience, are you afraid sometimes going on this journey and how you kind of help yourself get through it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, those are good things. So I do have a lot of bathroom stories, but our kids have specific trauma around bathroom and bedtime. So your child mm-hmm. may have specific trauma around the car or you going to the mailbox. Like you just, you really find out kind of as you go. Um, so our daughter was afraid to go into the bathroom. She was afraid to take a shower, take a bath. It was really scary. So somebody had to sit outside the door and read out loud and it was terrifying. So what we did was kind of practice going into the bathroom and then it was safe. So um, one of the things that she always wanted was for me to be with her. She didn't like for me to be out of her line of sight. She didn't like to be without me. She was scared, and Mom made her feel better. 
Um, and when your child's in foster care, you don't do that. You don't go into the bathroom with them. That's a big no-no. So we had all these handy pictures of me from school, from being a teacher. They take my picture every year and send me a package of wallet-sized photos. So we put them up all over the bathroom. There was me next to the toilet paper. There was me in the mirror. There was me in a plastic baggie taped to the, you know, the shower um, so that our daughter wouldn't be alone. So Mary was, you know, she had mom with her when she was in the bathroom. And then um, the other thing we did is we just practiced going in there without the water, without anything, you know, when I was in there with her. And we practiced taking a shower. Um, She would just stand in the tub and pretend that she was singing and washing her hair. And I would be there. And then we'd try it with the shower curtain closed. And she'd have to open it every few minutes to make sure I was still there. Um, and then we would like take a card game or a board game and go sit on the floor in the bathroom and play it in there until she just got used to being in that room. Um, and then of course, every time she took a shower, the door had to be open a little bit and I would sit outside and we would play games. I would sing a silly song or we'd play the alphabet game where you start with the letter A and you name a fruit and you have to remember what the other person said and you go back and forth. So it's interactive. Um, so that, you know, whoever was in the bathroom, Carl, too, was not alone. Because Mary was so scared that her fear came out almost as anger, as violence for her. And so she would tantrum in the shower, and she would bang on the walls, and she ripped out the shower nozzles. Oh, um, okay. We still can't turn them properly to get hot or cold water. Like, you just get what you get in that particular bathroom, and that's it. <laughs> we never were able to fix right. that very well. Um, over time... She got better at it, and it became routine, and it wasn't so scary anymore. It was a much safer place, and then she was able to go into the shower as, like, a coping skill. Here we are three and a half years later, and instead of that being a trigger, that's what helps her feel better. Um, so, so practice repetition. Um, so what I'm hearing from you is that all situations are different, and and you're not, and you're not, we're not going to have um, licensed therapists who are doing, the, you know, adopting these children. We're just having regular folks, just regular working folks, you know, who Even love and care for their children. Therapist, they may be very surprised because not everybody uh, who is, you know, not every licensed therapist has experience in developmental trauma. So, you know, it, it may be completely different to, to right. anything. You just, you have to help them to feel safe. And you have to do what? You have to be creative. I'm hearing you um, that you're being very creative, and you have to try things. and 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 I'm I'm hearing that you have to be really patient and loving, because um, things aren't going to change overnight. They're the not going to change in yeah. a day or a week or a month. You have to just keep trying, keep doing it, and you know, loving your child through it. And um, giving them what they need. And I, and I think you, you've mentioned the word fear a lot mm-hmm. because they're, they're, these behaviors are coming out of fear, fear of losing their parent, fear of their parent not being able to take care of them, fear that they don't have enough food. Um, I, and so the behaviors are a byproduct of the fear. And right. so you kind of have to determine that there is a fear there, even though you might not know what it is specifically or where it's coming from. But determine that there is a fear and try to make the child feel safe. Right. Um, and that that was a mouthful that I just said. And I'm sure it can take a lot out of you. Um, which mm-hmm. leads to my next question. How do how are you, you know, they, they say on the airplane, you know, when you get in and there's there's an issue, you put the mask over yourself and then you put the mask over your child. 
how do you, you know, I guess, put the mask over yourself, the oxygen mask over yourself so that you can be the person and show up every day and take care of your children? Do you have fear sometimes when you're doing that? I don't think everybody can show up every day 100%. I think everybody's got to give themselves a little grace, and nobody mm-hmm. applies the oxygen mask to themselves first at no. first. You know, so we all, we all act like it's a sprint, and we do the best to help our kids and then run out of oxygen. I feel like right. that's kind of what happens in the beginning, and that definitely happened to me. There was a point where I just hit a wall, and I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Nothing's getting better. Um, what's going to happen? Maybe we're the wrong family. And I I did write about this because just feeling like you are not making a difference and nothing is working is very, very difficult. And, you know, our son, his food issues continued for a very long time. And it took a while and we had to go through his room and, and, you know, just take out all of the food that was rotting and make sure that he felt like he had some non-perishables that he could keep in there um, in his pill case so that he would feel safe like he had an extra stash. And it just, it took a while. And it's honestly, that part is still kind of going on. He still has that Mm -hmm. about it. Um, so just feeling as a, as a parent, like you might be failing. And then our, our daughter had, um, and still has very violent and aggressive outbursts and dissociation. And so those were times when I was very afraid for safety, for basic physical safety, especially if my husband was at work. Um, Mm -hmm. so our daughter would fly into a rage over seemingly nothing, you know, as adults, we know what we need. We need food, water, shelter. Um, kids don't know the difference between needs and wants. And if they're used to taking care of themselves, they confuse those two. And if they want something, they want to stay up late and watch a movie and they're not allowed to do so, they immediately feel like they're going to die. And so they fly into, you know, a rage or a tantrum, or maybe your child shuts down and doesn't say anything. Either way, fear response. Um, so our daughter had very, very violent outbursts, throwing things, smashing things, banging her head, um, hitting me, biting me, kicking me, just screaming for hours and hours. Mm-hmm. And she would scream things that didn't make sense, like, owie, 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 as she was, you know, hitting me with something like a high-heeled shoe. And I didn't understand what was going on because whatever you said to her, she wasn't with you in the here and now. And that's called dissociation. She was in in a period of her life that happened a long time ago. She was re-experiencing something, and she used to do that every night at bedtime, tear apart the room, try to break the windows, uh, try to run away. She was terrified of bedtime. We didn't know what it was at first, and she was violent, and she would leave me bruised, bleeding, got scars from that period, and I, I thought, God, she must really hate me. This must be the worst thing that ever happened to her, bringing her here to our home. Right. You would, you would think that. And I was terrified. Mm-hmm. So I was afraid for my physical safety. I was afraid for her physical safety. I was afraid for Carl's physical safety. A lot of times my husband was at work still. And I was afraid that I was failing as a mom. Right. Um, so and that's couple, hard. That's hard. Yeah, I think that a lot of parents go through that. And a lot of older child adoptions, pre-adoptive placements disrupt. Um, and so until I realized that there were others like me, um, I... I didn't, I didn't know, what to, I felt alone and I felt like a failure. So it's important to know that you're not alone, which is one of the reasons I blog. And right. the other thing that was important um, for me to realize was that my entire life was not about the kids. And so as much as I put in when I was around them, I needed time to sleep. That's a basic need that all humans have. Um, I needed time to recover and I needed time to do things for me. So... 
my relationship with my husband is very important to me. And we've been here before we had kids, and we're going to be here long after they move out. Um, right. Praise Jesus. Okay. Uh, right. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good man. And Good man. Uh-huh. I, we, we had to find time together. We had to find time where the kids were doing something else, and we could have that space together. And our kids ended up going to, like, a summer camp, a day camp program when they first came home. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it'll be terrible for them to be away from us. We just brought them home. But I needed to sleep. I needed to see my husband. Um, and I know I talked about this on the last show. I needed to have sex. Like, you can't stop doing that when you get... You can't stop, you can't stop doing that. that. you, right? you got to do what feels best for you, what works keep, for you. And, right, you and keep your marriage together. Your marriage. Because you're right. right. You, have to, you have to keep your marriage together. You have to keep your friendships together. You mentioned something on the podcast I was listening to about, you know, keeping other relationships strong, your friendships and and your, your marriage and um, yeah. doing things doing things for yourself um, because you have to recharge that battery and right. you know and like you said sometimes you're just not going to have it but on the days that you do you have to show up and so you're not going to be able to show up if you're if you're not filling up your cup you know um, and, I, and so I think that oh, I think that right now people are thinking that you're just right in their head you know that you're just speaking right in their head because um, and you're making them feel better because I know that there's 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 guilt there's so much guilt and feeling of inadequacy and not thinking that you're doing a good job and what you do with your blog is that you share so much so you give people the right to be to to be flawed you know you give people the right to feel tired to feel like they don't know what they're doing but you also encourage them to show up and and get it done and keep trying and loving your kids and that's why I love you so much yeah, I'm not going to stop you anymore, though. Micah keeps loving me, like, no matter, <laughs> no matter what I do. I, I, listen, your other relationships are so important because in the beginning, it's not as if your child will reciprocate the kind of love that you feel for them. Their love right. is tainted with fear a lot of times. So you have to find your nourishment and your love in other relationships. So I really needed to experience myself in my husband's view that he you know believes that I'm this perfect person and I'm so wonderful and I'm a great mom and I'm a great wife are you those are. things are probably not true he's no, totally biased true. you guys like he has a crush on me I can't even <laughs> tell you but I needed to know that because I felt as if I were a failure in other areas and it's it's a long process and I as far as the physical safety um I think it's really, really important, and it's really important if your child is having very violent or dangerous episodes to get some help. Um, We have a crisis line that we can call in my state, but um, and they didn't always know what to do. You know, our daughter ended up being hospitalized a few times, and there was a lot we had to do to help her to be safe, and we did have to learn um, protective holds so that she couldn't hurt herself and hurt others, but her level of uh, violent outbursts is pretty extreme. Not everybody has I don't want everybody to think that they're going to bring their child home and, you know, be beaten black and blue. That's not true. Um, our son didn't always do that. It, it's different for every child. Um, but your physical um, safety is important. You, you really do have to take care of that in order to take care of everybody else. Right. And, guys, um, I'm going to have all this information because Abigail is a wealth of knowledge. So everything that we've talked about today, she's mentioned some books. She's mentioned um, some articles. I'm going to list everything that we talked about. You can catch it on the uh, website, adoptionunscripted.com. It's called Cheat Sheets. I'm going to make one for you guys so you don't have to worry about taking notes because she said so much, so much good stuff. So, um 
we're going to take a break. And then you've answered all the questions that I had. Um, but there's one question that I want you to answer. And then I want you to tell folks about where we can find you and your awesome, awesome blog. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Aliens with Gas, we are the extraterrestrial rock show airing every Saturday afternoon on the VoiceAmerica.com variety channel. <laughs> Whatever happens out and about, it kind of dictates our conversation. For sure. And we like to tie in a little bit of the past and obviously keep it real current. And real current was a couple nights ago right here in Phoenix. A phenomenon happened. On Thursday night. Phenomenon. 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 All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, guys, we are back with Abigail. She is a trauma mama, and she is kind of taking our hand, holding our hand, and leading us through what it's like to raise children who have who have um, trauma um, based on their adoption experience and what we need to do to help our babies. So because she's such a smarty pants, Abigail has answered most of my questions. Um, I do have one question, and it was just about how do we de-escalate situations um, and keep our kids safe. So can you help us with that? Sure. Um, you know, children will regulate based off the regulation of their parents. So a child who is becoming dysregulated and getting really irritated and snappy and saying the opposite of what you say, they're becoming dysregulated. Or if they're shouting or yelling or whatever they do, it's important for the parent to stay calm. Even if they're really saying hurtful things or doing ridiculous things that, you know, you don't approve of, if you yell, you'll only spike their fear. If you hit them, you'll only make them afraid. Um, especially children that have been yelled at and, and been hit or been in a physically abusive situation. So it's important to remain calm and to validate their, their feelings. 
And it's also important to keep things light. Try to be playful. Um, this is straight out of the book, The Connected Child. So don't think I'm super smart. I just read a lot. But, you know, you want to you wanna be playful and say, hey, you know, you sound really mad. You want to try that again with your nice words? Um, what, would you, what are you trying to tell me? What do you need? Whatever you mm-hmm. need, I'm going to meet your needs, but you have to tell me. Use your words and tell me what you need. And then, you know, if your child is still escalating, think about their basic needs. They may be dehydrated or hungry. Kids who've had a lack of food or water in their past from neglect um, often are dehydrated and often have trouble regulating their own blood sugar. So you might want to take a break. Mm -hmm. Say, let's just take a break. I'm just going to grab you some water. Let's sip some water. We'll talk about it. And if your child is totally to that point where they're saying, owie, owie, they're not making sense and you can't talk to them about something... Sit with them. Do a time in. Stay close to them. And you just tell them, I'm right here. You're safe. I'm right here. You're safe. Until they're done yelling and they've yelled their little hearts out and they're not alone and they know they can go through that horrible anger and you'll still be there. You'll still with be our there. Daughter, I, just, I used to say, just let it all out, honey. Mommy's here. You let it all out. And I have to tell you, I was upset about something a couple of months ago, and I was just so mad. I wanted to cry. It was like about a work thing. I got off the phone. I was like, oh, my goodness. This is just so ridiculous. And she came over and started patting me on the back, and she said, you let it out, Mommy. You just let it all out. I'm right here. (laughs) And I thought, that is a girl who knows there's someone here to support her. Right. Um, And you can tell because she's supporting you, and that's how you can tell. Yeah, the skills. That's wonderful. you know, our son, he, he can do that now, too, but he used to just kick his door and bang on it and say, I'm right here. You're mad, but I'm here. And then when he was done, whatever it was, when he was done having a tantrum, you know, if it was like he didn't want to clear his plate after dinner, when he was done having his tantrum, I'd say, okay, let's try it again. We're going to do it over. I'll do it with you. Let's, let's clear the table. And then maybe we'd sing a silly song about clearing the table. And I make up a lot of weird songs. You don't have to sing like a weirdo like I do. But, you know, just be playful. Keep it late. They're learning how to be in the world. Things that you might have already known how to do. They don't know. They don't, right. they don't always have the same life experience as we do. And you know what? It's, it's like um, you just said something about, you know, sometimes they can be hungry or they can be tired. And it reminds me of when... My daughter was, a, you know, like a toddler and she would, you know, cut up and I would say, oh, she just needs a nap. And people would be like, no, I don't I think she might be bad. No, she really just needed a nap or she would cry when she was hungry or she would cry when she wanted you no know, attention because she didn't know how to verbalize. And that is that's kind of the same thing. It sounds like to me, like their same behavior, yeah. they're acting out, but it's because of something else. It's not because. They're, you know, it's not even because they can control themselves. It's just the way that they know how. And it's almost a a response, a reaction to a feeling of pain or a feeling of hunger or a feeling of um, of sadness. What those feelings are and what they mean. You give it a name. Right. You must be hungry. You seem really frustrated. This feeling is, you know, they don't know that. And toddlers don't know either. And we teach them instinctively. But some kids miss that part of their development. So we teach them how to regulate and how to name their feelings and how to get their needs met with words rather than um, maladaptive behaviors that they might have learned in order to survive. Because our kids are survivors. Let me tell you something. They They are. (laughs) And they have really, really good parents. And, oh, my gosh, Abigail, thank you so (laughs) much. I tell you, we've been working on this for, like, what, like two months? You're really busy. I'm really busy. I can't get my act together. So, I was so happy when you said, let's pick this date. And I was like, really? You see my email? I was like, really? You said, yes. Oh, my gosh. This is so wonderful. Will you please come back on? 
course I will. I want to talk to you, and I won't stalk you this time, I promise. But I want to talk to you about um, what we can expect when we send our children to school and they have these these issues and what we should expect from their teachers and from the from the school and oh, how yeah. to navigate that because you're a teacher and you're a mom and so you're like a subject matter expert on that too. So tell us, girl, where can we find you? Because everyone's going to want to find you now. Where can we find you? Okay, sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter um, at Chicken Herding. And you can find my blog on WordPress. It's www.herding, H-E-A-R-D-I-N-G, chickens.wordpress.com. And if you contact me through the blog or on Twitter, I will get back to you absolutely. If there's anybody out there having a tough time and you want to private message me at Chicken Herding on Twitter, um, I'll get back to you probably within 48 hours. There's no parent who is alone in this situation. There's no adult adoptee who is alone. Um, so don't feel like you are. Come find me. Um, and obviously, keep listening to this awesome radio show. I know I will. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to have you back because we have a lot more to talk about. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I love you, girl. And I will be hitting you up on tour like I do every single day. Um, so before before we get off uh, the air today, I wanted to mention a couple of conferences that are coming up that you might want to check out that deal with the trauma. Um, there is the 29th annual Attach Conference. It's going to be in Denver, in beautiful Denver, October the 12th through the 14th. Um, I spoke with Natalie um, from the conference, and she said that they're still taking um, a registration. So everyone, if you're interested, you can go on their website. I think it's attach.org, but if you go on um, the Adoption Unscripted website, I'll have all these links up so you can go right there and check it out. Also, the um, I think it's the Callow programs. They are having a tour to end childhood trauma. November is um, National Adoption Awareness Month, and they're doing this awesome, I think like five-city tour where they're going to, um, I think it starts in Minneapolis, and it ends in Washington, D.C. I think it goes to Philadelphia and I think maybe Chicago as well. And there's one more city. I'm not thinking of that city. But they go to five different places. It starts on the 10th and I think goes through the 15th. And it's awesome. And it's free. So all you have to do is go online and you can register for the conference. You can absolutely give a donation if you want because they are taking donations and it's a great cause. But the, but the actual conference is free. So you can check that out as well. And um, I'm going to try to make at least one of those stops. So maybe you'll see me at the conference. I love Washington, D.C., so I might actually end up there. I don't know if I'd be able to make the one in Denver or not, but I would love to be there too. So I'll let you guys know in the coming weeks if I'm able to make it to Denver. Um, We're going to have an adoption competent therapist that's going to come on the show and give us more of a clinical perspective of trauma. So you want to look forward to that as well. And um, thank you all so much for joining me. I've had an awesome Friday with you. Be sure to get out. And I hope your weather is as good as it is in Nashville. And enjoy your weekend. Okay, guys, take care. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us for Adoption Unscripted. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program with your host, Micah Johnson, next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have a terrific week. 